welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, your weekly glimpse into the life of indie author Paul Teague. Find out how many words got written over the past seven days, hear what's on the planning board, and discover the tips and tools which Paul is using to self-publish his books and get them selling as fast as possible. This is Paul's Podcast Diary, and here's your show host, Paul Teague. Hello and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, episode 186 for Saturday the 1st of February 2020. Coming up this week, I've abandoned a writing project for the first time since I started writing in 2014. I'll explain what happened and why I decided to abandon it. Another week, another book release. The final part of my military sci-fi trilogy was released today. And in a development that was a surprise even to me, I've just bought the rights back to my collaborative book co-written with Adam Nichols, Now You See Her, is coming home. Welcome to this week's podcast episode. It's been an unusual day pretty unusual week this week because there's some interesting things happened. I just teased one of them a moment or two ago, but my writing's been funny this week. Yesterday, I did a corporate training day. That was an all-day event, so normally I would write on a Thursday. Didn't get any writing done on a Thursday. I did, of course, get my day's writing done on Sunday, Sunday the 26th, so I got 5,076 words of Podcasting Unboxed, the working title for my non-fiction book. That was uh, last weekend. And today, um, it's funny, I just went to pick my wife up from work because I went into town for a haircut and I was just trying to, trying to remember as I was talking to her. I said, I'm not quite sure where the day went. I've been engaged and active since you walked out the door, but I haven't been writing today. Uh, it, it's been a much slower uh, writing day. I was in no particular rush and I've been doing things, but not not the things I should, probably should have been doing. But that, that doesn't worry me. Um, I've so far today written about 2,000 words of podcasting unboxed and um, that's that chapter is going to be no more than two and a half thousand words so pretty early this morning when I was writing it I thought well I'm just going to take my time with this I've got music on I do love actually listening to music while I'm writing non-fiction I couldn't possibly do that with fiction and at the moment, you may remember that I said to you, I'd had to have a complete reinstall of my computer, which is working beautifully, I hasten to add. But one of the things I'm doing is I'm re-ripping all the CDs from my CD collection. Yes, I am old enough to still have CDs. I don't like Spotify. I've tried Spotify. I went on a, a driving holiday around Scotland with my middle child, I think it was last year or the year before, and we decided that we would assemble Spotify playlists and, and share the music that we were listening to. And he, he's very much into the Beatles and a lot of 60s stuff. And as the versions were coming on, I was saying to him, that's not the right version. That's a different version of that song. Now, I am, I'm afraid, so geeky and nerdy about this. Remember that I played music for years as a disc jockey, but also on the radio. I was spinning tracks. And I know, particularly, I know the introductions to them, because that's the important bit you need to know when you're a radio presenter. And the outro, the whether it fades, whether it has a hard ending on it, all these little bits I know about uh, music that I retain still that you need to know when you're a presenter and um, I'm listening to those saying that isn't the right version that's a remix or it's like a cheapo demo version or whatever it is but it isn't the right version of course it's the only thing that my son uh, knows when he's listening to the music so uh, Spotify doesn't seem to have quite the right versions on a lot of the time and I don't really like that so I haven't really gone for Spotify I think if I went for a music streaming service I've I've, I've tried music streaming services so I'm, I'm not being an old fuddy-duddy but I've also tried the Amazon music uh, service but I don't really it's not really how I listen to music I am still I, and I guess this is a sign of age. I still like to get an album and listen all the way through to an album. Now, sometimes I'll go on and I'll just listen to tracks and pick tracks off because, of course, I do have this stuff all ripped on my computer and I can p- create little playlists and things like that. But I haven't quite responded to these on demand. I won't, I can't bring myself to spend 30 quid a month or whatever it is for a music streaming service because I think I could do better on on what I've got at the moment and the other thing is is that when I'm mobile I don't listen to music I listen to podcasts so that's why I'm ripping CDs and listening to CDs so it, it is kind of work still in that it's being productive getting all my CDs ripped I've got loads of CDs I've got a lot to rip and, and it also ties into plans for Spain because I, I was talking to you about taking a Chromebook going light to Spain but actually what I've decided to do now this PC's been mended and I've spent the money on it what I actually will do is I'll get this PC shipped over to Spain for the period that we're over there it'll be the only thing that we ship everything else in fact I we were talking about it because when we travel we always travel really light um, my wife is a master of packing 
and we're extremely light travelers you see all these people with huge suitcases and, and we could live on a, a, a month on just a little trundle pack that goes into the luggage the hand luggage and um, we, we we do pack extremely efficiently and as my wife was saying when we go over to spain for christmas i'll tell you more about that in a moment or two or before the end of the podcast when we go over to spain we can take big suitcases of course which we don't normally do um, to use our full allowance so i will take big suitcases when we go over there and I, I was thinking i'd have to weigh it i don't know what the weight tastes but i thought i'd probably be able to get the bits of a computer in our two bags um potentially because we just don't take much in the way of clothes you know i could live on a i could live on two pairs of jeans one in the wash one on um uh, you know a very limited number of t-shirts and shirts and your, your socks and undies i don't need anything else I, I dress very basically um and in spain you only need a light coat so you really don't need many clothes over there um and also of course you could dry stuff really fast because the sun's out um so yeah anyhow we'll we'll cross that bridge when we come to it but um i just thought i'd explain why i'm ripping the cds because it means when we're in spain i'm going to have my music collection on my pc so i'm working through them and i'm integrating that when i'm writing non-fiction so yeah i i had different things going on today and again i'll, I'll touch on a couple of those throughout this episode but I, I just thought you know today i'm going to write my i wasn't intending to write today um so it's an extra writing day and i thought i'll tell you what i'll do i'll write about two and a half thousand words today i write two and a half thousand words on sunday and i have just two nice relaxed writing days because uh, i deserve it i've done a lot of writing recently and i've got plenty of time to get the podcast book going it's, it's i'm enjoying it it's going well and um, and that's just how i decided to carve it up this week so i've been quite relaxed about it but at the end of this week by Close of play on Sunday, I will have done my 5,000 words. But also, of course, I did that corporate training as well. So there's no writing gets done on a corporate training day. Uh, as far as this week's editing update is concerned, I told you that I'd got Skyvitis last week. And uh, fortunately, that's disappeared now. And I have been working through No More Secrets. Now, I, I worked through No More Secrets before, uh, well, part of the rapid re-release. So it got re-released and I went through it and edited it. But I wanted to go through it again because that, that re-release was really quite a light re-edit. It was just quite a light read. I wasn't really changing anything. And I, I knew that the book hasn't sort of quite fired. It just, it's almost there, but it just doesn't feel for me like it's quite found its level. And the other thing, you've got to remember that a lot of these books I've been looking back at, I wrote some time ago. And, and I really do feel that in that past year, that I really found my stride with my writing. I really do feel like I've found... Um, you know, when I'm writing thrillers and things, I don't put too many um, sort of sex scenes in now. I, I, I'm, I'm writing almost cosy stuff, to be honest with you, uh, because I, I found my level. That seems to be what the, the, my readers kind of prefer. Um, so I, I don't sort of I've, I've reduced severely reduced the number of swear words that I put in and, and the rude references that I put in there. And um, there was never really any extreme violence in mine in the first place. But I'm reading No More Secrets. I've been reading it this week. And there's it quite a lot of um, rude references, just swear words and, and rude phrases and things like that. And I'm reading it now thinking, mm, they don't need to be in there, those. I'm going to take them out. Um, so, And there was also in that in that book, it's about a, a, some, some students. And it, and it, it pivots around um, uh, two male friends, one of whom is, is gay, but the other one isn't. And, and, and the gay friend makes a pass at the straight friend and it's about um, the, the damage that that creates to their relationship or, or the tension it creates when that that sort of making that pass goes wrong but I also had in the same book um, a couple of girls who were experimented by sleeping together and again when, when I look through it I think you know it's a little bit too much in one book and and going through it I've highlighted those bits and thinking yeah I could I could pin that right back it doesn't need to be in there uh, and so I'm just doing a little bit of minor surgery on the book and, and with the experience that I've got now, and hopefully all the time you, you're growing in experience, you'd look at your older book and say, I, I can do that better now. That's how I feel with No More Secrets. And as I've been editing it this week, I've been removing stuff with quite a sure hand, actually, thinking I'm not quite sure why I put that in. And, and I've particularly been looking for um head hopping or people or, or expressing thoughts that couldn't people couldn't express when I'm in a certain point of view. And I have to say, a lot of it's fairly obvious to me now. So hopefully, I know, I know I'm way off perfect, but hopefully it means I'm learning however <laughs> slowly. Uh, so I feel that book's going to be a lot better by the time I've tidied it up. Um, there's nothing terrible, terribly wrong with it in, in the past, but I just want to make it as good as I possibly can. So I, I've 
gone through chapters 1 to 24 over the evenings this week. I'm going to be doing chapters 25 to 30 after tea this evening. And then tomorrow, when I get back from Park Run, I will be doing uh, right through to the end. So I'll do chapters, well, 31. Basically, it has several shorter chapters at the end. And then I've got the author notes and the, and the epilogue and all that stuff. So I'll be going through all that tomorrow and so that book will be finished now I, again I, I'll spend a little bit more time on it probably because I just got to I have got to rewrite the bits with where the girls have got their s- subcontext relationship in there um, so it does need a little bit of writing work I'm not quite sure when it will be finished but that will be the editing of it finished the actual edit the read-through finished tomorrow evening and then I may just do that on Sunday actually if I've got a lighter writing then that makes a lot of sense I think I'll get that finished on Sunday and then republished so uh, there you go. That's the sort of writing and editing update. So I got two really big stories for you, really, this week, I guess. Um, and the first one is the one that I teased in the headlines at the beginning of this episode, and that is my abandoned project. I was thinking this last week, but I just wanted my wife to just do a sense check on it for me. But I have decided to put my end of men fiction book on ice and it's going on ice at 15,000 words. I had three writing days and got to 15,000 words with it. I was writing it, was it last week uh, or the weekend before? the last time I did 5,000 words. And I was sticking to the plot and I was writing in it and I was getting my 5,000 words going. But I thought, you know, this, this doesn't fight. It's not quite sitting for me, this. It, it's not quite working. I don't feel like it's quite working for me. I'm not, it's not, I'm not sort of saying quite what I want to say in the way that I want to say it. The story was there. And I always knew with this book, I, I've always, from, from the get-go, I've said to you, this is the book that may never see the light of day. Because I knew it was going to be a push and a challenge for me. I, I absolutely knew that for the beginning because it wasn't going to be like the books that I normally write. And so what I thought I would do is I, I, I was obviously busy doing the, the podcast book last week. And so I, I was aware at 15,000 words, I could just push through it. I could just push through. I got the story. It was all going well enough I'd pushed through the story and I knew that I could sort this in the post edit I knew that I could come back um, and clarify the world details and I knew I could clarify that the way they spoke to each other and some of the finer points of the world I knew that I could clarify that in post edit and I always understood with that book that when I wrote it I was going to get my 90,000 words and I was just literally going to tell the story the bare bones of a story it would be a b c right through to z and almost like actors rehearsing a play and just walking through it on the stage, just getting a sense of the space and the movement and and the lines. That was what draft one was always going to be like with this book. It wasn't going to be a straight to publication like my other ones have been. And so I understood that from the get go. But I was just thinking, I've said to you how much I've been enjoying this podcasting book. I really am enjoying this podcasting book. Uh, as I said to you, it's almost semi-autobiographical because I'm, I'm dropping lots of little radio anecdotes in there as, as they're coming up in natural conversation. I, I've been doing a bit more of that today. So I've really got ahead of steam on with this podcast book. And it, it, this, this podcast book really feels like it's working for me. But in addition, um, other things have happened. I said to you last week that it's been quite an unsettling quarter for me already. And um, I've been getting a lot of client work coming my way. Um, we we have a kind of uh, the, the the projects that I work to are funded are EU funded, and everybody in the EU beyond the EU knows what's been happening in the UK. Actually, on the day I'm recording this, so th- there's been some ifs, buts, and maybes about the funding. But the funding for for the the corporate work that I do has been underwritten and secured for another three years and I'm uh, but but as part of that we all have to reapply um, for the contracts again and so that's coming up uh, and then when I get uh, if, if I get that contract obviously you've got to go through the tendering process but uh, if and when I get that contract that work then is available to me for another three years it's underwritten for another three years which obviously bearing in mind what I've said to you about uh, taking uh, my pension from the BBC not retiring but being able to choose when and how I work, these contracts are just beautiful and perfect for me because I can I can manage the work around my schedule entirely. So I've been getting quite a lot of client work in um, around those projects uh, before you know the end of, of March, 
and 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 it's it's more than I have been getting, and so I, I've been obviously keen to accommodate that. So my my time has been um, under quite a lot of pressure, and of course the other moving part in all of this is that I was originally going to leave my Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday in the office work at the end of December. Then at the last minute, I extended to the end of January. Then I extended to the end of February. So it's been very much shifting sands this quarter, which is why it's been so um, unsettling. Strategically, I want to deliver this client work uh, sooner rather than later, because um, although I've had these contracts for several years now, you can't count your chickens. And um, obviously, I want to get as much of that work landed as possibly as, po- as I possibly can before the current contracts expire, which will be sort of end of February, beginning of March time. So for all those reasons, and the fact that I was looking at that book, thinking, well, I'm enjoying the podcasting one, not really... I'm enjoying it, but it, you know, I know this is going to take a lot of work. This is not an easy write for me at all. I said to my wife last weekend, "Will you read it for me, and just reassure me that it's not just me, uh, you know, being um, not negative about it, but being more down about it, more downbeat about it, because it's so unusual for me to be writing something like this. Just, just give me another sense check on it, if you would. Um, I, I just tell me whether it's rubbish or whether it's the best thing I've ever written. I, I just, I really don't know because it's so different." So she read it for me and she sort of expressed the same sort of concerns as I've got. There's a story there. There's definitely a story there. She said to me about the language that I used because she says you usually use very natural language. And in this language, the language is very formal. I said, well, yes, you're absolutely right with that. That's because I don't think I've really quite worked out how they speak. It doesn't feel doesn't feel right for me in this futuristic world 300 years in the future for people to be talking like we do so I made this the speech more formal and she you know she said it sounds almost like these are people who've learned English speaking rather than people who are speaking natural English and and so she expressed some of the concerns that I've got you know basically there's a story there but it needs a lot of work it's it's not it's certainly not ready um, it's a skeleton of a story. So I just thought, you know what? I think this is the, this is the universe showing me the way. Um, and I'm going to park that story, um, because I don't, there's no deadlines on it. It was a, a, a pleasure project, a vanity project, you no know, self-indulgent. I always knew that. Uh, and I don't feel bad about parking it at all because I'm, I'm well into the second book. You know, this podcasting book is going to, is definitely going to make it to publication. I'm really enjoying it. In fact, it's, it, it's going to be much better than I thought it was going to be. I didn't think I'd have that much to write about. As it turns out, I've got loads of things to share and, and write about. So I'm feeling pretty good about the podcast book. Now, I think that if I'd, if I'd only been writing end of men I probably would have pushed through but seeing as I've got something that's doing well for me and I'm really enjoying it I just thought it just makes no sense I might as well cut uh, end of men loose and I might as well just get on with the non-fiction I'm really enjoying actually writing with music on it 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 feels such a different experience to me um the writing just doesn't feel like any kind of effort at all and the other thing with non-fiction is that I feel I can leave it like I have today. I find it much easier to leave it because the chapter breaks are so easy. But the whole book is is compartmentalised into sections. It's all planned out like that. I've got all the chapter headings there. And I find it much easier to leave a non-fiction alone at the end of a chapter heading because I just come to the next chapter heading. It's a complete new subject. It's much easier to pick up and put down. So I, I'm I'm enjoying that. And as I, I also said to you right at the beginning of the year, because really I, I've I've got, two big assets out this year I've got the science fiction military sci-fi books that are out and I've got my Morecambe Bay trilogy and, and both are going to be eligible for book bubs we'll start they'll, they'll start doing the military sci-fi will start to do the rounds now the third book's out that, that'll start to do the rounds on book bubs now as well so I, I've got sort of two big new assets that that I can sweat for income um, they're in the pot so I'm under no pressure to be producing anything sooner rather than later. I've got the I've got the maneuverability. I've got the time to enable me to do this. So to me, it just when, when all the planets align, I just and and I just got my wife to confirm that that I wasn't being crazy. I just said I'm just going to shelve that, and you know I, I can come back to it. The whole book's planned. I've got all 54 chapters planned. I've got the 15,000 words they've been read. My wife's done a first edit. That that'll just sit there. And if, if I have time um, to it, to do it or, you know, a gap or when I, I need to get on with something, I'll, I'll come back to it. But at the moment, this feels like the right way to do things. So I'm going to get the, 
the podcasting book finished. I hope that over quarter two and quarter three, and I'm not really sure what I'm going to write about next, but I'm sure I'll come up with something. But I'd like to write another two non-fiction books this year. And then also I know I've budgeted to write three 75,000 word books in between uh, April and end of October before we go to Spain. So I, I can fit another three 75,000 word fiction books in before we go to Spain. So I have another asset there that I can sweat as well. So I'm not really concerned about uh, dropping that. Uh, I also think it's quite quite good discipline for me to drop a book as well, because I, I, I do push through things and make sure that I finish them. And that, that is my attitude with things. But but I just feel this is the right thing from a time management point of view, from a project management point of view, and from a personal point of view. Clearly, my time has become much, much more squeezed in this quarter than I expected it to be. I thought I'd have a lot more time. And it's the sort of thing I might come back to. I'm, I'm looking at my time after March. I mean, I am getting a lot of client work at the moment, to be honest with you. That suits me, because I did say to you, this is not about retirement. This is just about flexibility. So I do expect to be doing a couple of days of client work. But the, the differences with the client work is I tend to work with people for two hours. And the way I've got got my, my slots carved up after um, sort of March, April, when I finish the full-time job, is that I will do a, I, I'll see a client 10 till 12, I'll go for lunch from 12 to 1, have a nice sort of lazy lunch in town, and then I'll see another uh, a client from 1 till 3, and then I'm done. And, and that's what I'm talking about when I see clients. So I'm working, but not in that intensive way that you are when you're in doing a 9 to 5 in the office. That's what it's about, just much more flexibility around the work I do. Again, interestingly, my, my wife's just back from work. We've just been sitting down having a cup of tea and some crumpets, and having a yak and catching up with the day. And she's brought a retirement book home. And I'm thinking a lot about this at the moment. And this retirement book is called When I'm 60 Foot. I'm delighted to say that I'm a long way off that at the moment. My wife is, she's 60? No, we're both 55. I think we're both 55. Yeah, she's that's right. She's 56 in, in August. That's right. She's. I'm a toy boy. I've always been a toy boy by about six months, uh, which is at least some consolation for getting older, isn't it? I'll always be a toy boy. And um, so... She's got a book called When I'm 64. And one of the things, this is really interesting because I know when you're in the thick of work and you just want to get out of a job, it, you know, that's all you want. And you think that's the, the holy grail. It'd be very interesting for me because I've known this has been coming up for several months now. I've been thinking a lot about what my, inverted commas, retired life will be. And I can tell you, I do not want it to be a vast expanse of open time. I do not want that at all. I'm not ready for that at all. And we were talking about 64. So that's that's nine years away. That, that uh, The book's called When I'm 64. And the the book starts with a list of things um, that you you need to do to to have a sort of healthy, active retirement. And the first one of the first things it says is you keep working. And I passionately believe in this. In the UK, this will mean nothing to you elsewhere in the world, but in the UK, a gentleman called um, Nicholas Parsons, who was a quiz master uh, for years on the BBC and on ITV, he used to have one of the biggest quiz shows called The Sale of the Century on, on UK television. And he's just died. I think it was about 94. I interviewed him once on the radio. Um, and the guy, you know, was sharp and intelligent, uh, right, you know, right up into those years, 94, sharp and intelligent. And I read an interview this week in all the kind of obituaries and the articles that were being shared, where he attributed his kind of good health and mental alertness to the fact that he'd always had to, he'd be working and that he's always, he's had to learn lines and stay mentally active. And I passionately believe in that, which is why I say to you that when I stop work, you know, it's not about, it's it's about flexibility it's not about stopping working and I really can't envisage a time when I would stop working this is what writing is about for me that I could do that uh, you know, even if I've got arthritis for goodness sake you know in, in old age hopefully uh, hopefully I never get it but when it starts to, to get a lot of people in old age I can dictate um you know, you could you could be a writer with many levels um, of, of disability, and that's why it's such a great thing to be able to do. And of course, as the world gets better and technology gets better, this is only good to be technology is only good to become more enabling for us. And so, I'm I'm a passionate believer in all of that, and and, and this is what doing being a writer has been for me. It's about putting eggs in new baskets and I have other plans after March to put new eggs in new baskets which don't sort of relate to to this podcast particularly but but I it's not about not working for me um it's about um choice 
flexibility, being able to, as we are in a couple of weeks, we're going off to Amsterdam for a couple of days. We're not having to go in half term. We're doing it when it's cheap, when it's going to be quieter. That's what it's about for me. And that's actually what self-employment always was about for me. In many ways, I'm just going back to what I did. I had to go back to salaried work for a couple of years because we had some huge changes around kids going to university and whether we needed to downsize houses and all this sort of stuff. And it was just easier for me to be in a salaried job so that if anybody said to me, um, we need to see the last three salary slips, I could just slap them on the table and life's easy. It's sweet because it gets much more difficult to do things like that when you're self-employed. You have to I can't remember what the paperwork's called that you have to show. Life just gets more difficult when you're self-employed. So I just decided while we were running through this period of the kids moving on and changing lives and things like that, it was just easier for me to take three day a week work just to stabilise everything and work um, through that. And now we're moving on to the next phase uh, after that. But but I, I loved my self-employed life. Uh, before and I did it for how many years it must have been about seven years I was self-employed for seven years before I went back to part-time salaried work Uh, and and I've done it for about three years and now I'm going back pretty well to what I was doing before I I loved it I I absolutely loved it and it was a a sort of a sad difficult day for me when I had to go back to salaried work but kind of sometimes you know when you've got a big family you've got kids and and, uh, obligations sometimes you just have to do these things um, so I just had to take that one on the chin, but I can't complain because I, I was able to do it working uh, three days a week. <laughs> That's a pretty first world problem, isn't it? Um, I was able to do it for three days a week and I've still managed to keep that sense of flexibility and freedom, um, you know, within those three days a week of office work. So, um, you know, no, no moans on my part, but I'm very, very happy to go back to that kind of permanent um, mixture of flexibility, creativity, and engage work. Because I love working with clients. I thoroughly enjoy working with clients. Um, but I wouldn't want to have to do it every day. But I love being able to work with different businesses. It's so, um, so interesting. It's, it's always like my BBC work at the BBC. Uh, it was like being nosy for a living. I used to get to talk to interesting people about interesting things. I used to see their businesses, their houses, their farms, their stately homes. Um, I, I used to do all sorts of wonderful things as a reporter. And I find that as a business advisor now, uh, talking about the kind of web stuff that I do, I, I get to do exactly the same thing. I end up in all sorts of interesting places on industrial estates and things, seeing interesting business. And I love it. So, um, you know, long may that continue. Um, so anyhow, that's a long way round of explaining why I have decided to abandon uh, end of men at 15,000 words. It's just going to sit there. Now, I may find after March... Um, you know, because clients tend to ebb and flow, I may find I've got some extra time on my hands that I could write my projects that I, I must write uh, in terms of business. And that, then I've got actually a day or two a week to just progress end of men. So that it's just going in a drawer. It's not being ditched. It's just being put aside. And I may well come back to it at a later point. But at the moment, my priority is going to be that podcasting book because that's the strong uh, book that is. That's the strongest child. That's the one that uh, you know gets to live for now uh, and the one that I want to finish because uh, I'm really enjoying it and I can't wait to get that book out there. So uh, that's big update number one. I must mention today, I have alluded to it already, um, that the, my military sci-fi book three, Devastation, has just been released today. Uh, it's um I did have a look at it I mean again I said to you last week I feel so um remote from this that I can't see the numbers that I don't feel that sense of excitement really but it's released and I can tell you that in the UK it's number 16 in, in Alien Invasion it's number 18 this is in paid in Space Marine Science Fiction ebooks and it's number 19 in Space Marine books so it's in paid charts um it's in the right charts because that's the kind of books that we're writing. Uh, it's selling some copies. I don't particularly know how many, though actually I did get um, from Dan Saul got, got in contact with me last week and showed me a little technique using Dave Chesson's Kindle, no, KDP Rockets called nowadays, isn't it? He showed me a little technique. Thanks for that, Dan, where you can get a, it's not exact, but it's a kind of a ballpark idea uh, about how many copies of book he's selling. And so, you know, you can see whether you're selling some and making a bit of income or whether you're going to be a millionaire by the end of the week it just gives you it's not perfectly exact because I looked at some of the books where I've I've got the numbers obviously from Amazon but it's ballpark you can get a feel for it and so I I had a look at that and thought well you know it's selling some copies but uh, no one's going to be retiring at the end of the month uh, with the income so I think really the secret for those books 
And what, what I am hoping for with these books is I'm hoping that they go through a podium contract, which John and James already have for their previous books. I'm hoping they're going to go through podium, which will create income. And I'm also waiting for them to go as a trilogy through BookBub with the first book at 99 pence or cents. So at the moment, these books have been sold at three dollars three pounds 99 now that's a strategy if i'd released those myself i wouldn't have done that i would have released them at 99 pence or cents and promoted them as, as i did with the rapid release um you know I, I and then had them on pre-sale all the time but obviously that's out of my um control um, and it swings and roundabouts with things like this i'm quite happy to see how other people do it uh, because I know that John and James have been making a good income from their other books. I'm very happy to sit, t- take a back seat, see how other people do it, learn the tricks. Um, obviously, again, p- Podium is what I'm most excited about with these books. And I'm also excited about getting a book bub on them because I think that will bring some good income in too. So that's really uh, what I'm waiting for with those books. But book three has released now. That's the trilogy out. I think in a month's time, the box set will get released and then probably we'll start I assume John and James will start going for a book bub and hopefully we'll get a book bub and hopefully we'll then start getting some good income on those books. But I haven't got a clue what's coming my way yet. Um, I just haven't got a clue. So I don't know how many reads we've got or anything like that. I can't really um, get, get a good sense of that. So as soon as I, I get some numbers, I'll let you know and give you a sense of what's going on with that book. So here's this week's really big surprise news that I've bought back the rights to Now You See Her. Now, that is only a week ago I was saying to you that one of my frustrations with these collaborative launches I haven't really got a clue how much money I'm making from them and this week um, Adam's been extremely good with this bang on time every on the morning when we get paid from Amazon Adam's always there with the screenshots showing me what we've earned and then telling me that he sent half of that to my bank account so uh, it's already in my bank account by the time he sends me the pictures so he's been absolutely prompt with that but he sent me the money this month and it was it was good you know it was worth having again uh, for a month so I'm pleased about that and he sent me that money over and then said to me that um how do you feel about uh, buying me out on the book uh he uh, the reason for this is that he's oversimplifying so oversimplifying he's he's not oversimplifying he's simplifying he's simplifying I think he's he I think he's worked out that he does better when he writes the book solo in his style and then he generates his own fan base. I think that's what he's worked out from collaboration. Now, he's done how many collaborations now? He's done it one with me. He does, does one with a guy called Jay, and those have gone well for him. He did another collaboration just after mine, which I don't think um, worked out so well for him. And he ended up uh, un- uncollaborating with that writer. I think they decided, they basically decided to you know sell up the money and go their separate ways for whatever reason. I don't know what the reason was. Um, and then he offered me when he'd paid me this week, he said, do you want to go, um, do you want the book back, you know, for a, a small kind of fee? And I, I won't talk about numbers because this is Adam's, you know, private stuff. It's uh, This is all up to him. And, and and it's, you know, confidential what we did it for. But let's put it this way. I, I had a number in my head thinking, right, this is what we've earned from those books. So that number will probably be, assume that we earn that for the next couple of months. You'll want to recoup that income um, and then and then that income will go down over the month. So it, it, I, I had a number in my head and he said it'll only be for a small amount. And um, and so he said, he said, he said, uh, he, he told me what that amount was and it was way lower than my amount. And I said, well, yes, absolutely. Let's do it straight away. And so um, rather than me pay him that, he owes me two months' money already because he's just paid me for, was that January? Forgive me if I get the cycles wrong with Amazon, but I think are we owed, what's the month now? Oh, I can't remember. We're two months behind and he owes me two months, basically. So he owes me two months' money. And I said, have a look at the money that you've got uh, that, that you owe me already. Does that cover it? Well, it more than covered it. And I said to him, well, look, I'm not going to get fussy about this. I said, just just keep the money that we've earned and I'm fine with that. And so then, um, obviously, he needs to transfer the files to me and the cover. And he said, um, uh, he, he said, I'll have a word with the artist and get the uh, covers changed for you because he'd done the original deal with the covers. And we got my name changed on the cover, so it's my name rather than his. And um, we got that done for $10. So he said, well, I'll just take that off the extra money that I got in the deal. So, frankly, we just worked it out between us very easily, very, very simply, uh, with no 
direct money changing hands. It's the 31st of January today, as I record this, and we've just agreed to ourselves with ourselves that he'll just take it off at the end of today. So he, he gets to you know bank as much of the money as he can to the end of this month, which you'll get paid in two months' time. I won't take any of that money. And then from Saturday or Sunday, as soon as I can get it processed, I will just republish the book under my name. Now, Adam also contacted uh, KDP and it asked them about the exchange from our joint author names to my author name. And KDP don't think there'll be a problem with that. So I think it's going to be a bit like Dead of Night. With Dead of Night, I published a version two with a new um, ASIN number. And then I asked Amazon if they would port over the reviews from version one to version two. And that's all I think that is going to happen with this book. I think that the I'll, I'll publish the book. When the book's published, I've got a new ASIN. I'll ask them to just move the the reviews over and of course because Adam's already authorized that we're not in a we're not in a conflict situation for instance where Adam's saying no that's our book he's got no right to do that Adam's I've bought the rights and Adam's released the book to me there won't be an issue with that and I think those reviews will then move over and obviously it's a very well reviewed book and I want to keep the reviews so the only thing that will change is that the cover has my name on it and Adam today he sent me the the new updated pdf file with just my name on the cover he sent me the Kindle e-cover with just my name on the cover. He sent me the final edited doc version of the book as well. And so I'll bring that into Vellum. I will completely personalize it for me. You put my, my, um, also buy this authors in there and things like that. Um, add my author notes to it. I think my author notes might already be in there actually. And I will get that up for sale again and it will be entirely my book. Now I can't tell you how pleased I am about that. I was very keen to say to Adam because he, he, he said, you know, please, he's been very gentle with me about the whole thing. I've absolutely zero, you know, I've had a great experience doing this collaboration with Adam and I learned so much from him as well, which I told him today. And, um, you know, so this has just been a perfect experience for me because not only did I get to work with him and see how he does it and learn his tricks and, and see how, how he edits and um, bits that he, he doesn't leave in and, and things like that. So I've learned, I've learned from somebody who's doing way better than me, of course. Um, but also now I've got the Holy Grail, which has got my book back uh, as well. And I'm just delighted about that because as I've said in, in, in recent episodes, I, I love, I think that's a strong book. It's, um, I was writing it to the style of Linwood Barclay and I, and I think I hit it. I think I hit it just right with that. I really enjoyed writing it. I think the characters are strong. A common theme in the reviews is we need more of this series. Um, and I would like to write more of the series, but I don't, uh, not because I've had a negative experience of collaboration. It's just that I, as Adam has done, I think, I just feel like I'm okay doing it on my own. Um, I'm doing okay on my own. I'm, I'm making enough, or I'm, I'm doing fine with my earnings on my own. Um, and I just kind of want to keep doing it alone, really. I, I, I always said I was a lone ranger. It doesn't mean I'm ruling out future collaborations. Um, I just, particularly with my thrillers, um, I, I, this is how I want to work, I think, and, and, and keep my own kind of strong voice, which is, I think, the, the conclusion that Adam's come to. It's been a great experience, but he's decided that the way ahead is, he's just writing his voice, his, his name. And, uh, that's what I want to do as well. So, that just feels fantastic. So I want to develop that book into a trilogy at some point. Now, it, it's not going to come sooner. It's going to come later because as I just said to you earlier, I'm going to be writing three 75,000 worders before I go to Spain. They will either be in John and James's space universe or they will be Walker Bay 456. Those will be my priorities because those are my most, uh, you know, my most pressing books at the moment. And, and and then the question is, what will I write in Spain? And I think that this might be, I might write the next two books in that series and turn that into a trilogy because it's a, it's an easy hit, isn't it, for another trilogy to write the next two books because I've got book one already done and I got all the reviews on it and everything like that. Um, so it's in a strong position for book bubs when we get there already. So that might be my Spain writing to write another two of those stories. But I'm very happy to have that universe of those characters back um there were intentionally threads left at the end of it so that i could work it up into the next into a into a, a next book and i will i will rewrite it as a trilogy if, if i come back to it so you know 
how, how short is a week where something like that can happen? We've we've discussed it, agreed it, paid it, and I've got all the files, and we're all ready to go within a framework of about five days. It was all very harmonious, um, and and that's a deal done now. Um, you know, we have we have gone our separate ways, and I'm very keen to stress in a completely amicable way. Um, but you know, Adam's got a new series of books out. They look fantastic. I think, I think I said to him when I, I was sort of thanking him for his, for, for his help and just saying how much I'd enjoyed doing the work together. I think he's found his level. Um, I think he's found how he likes to write and what kind of story he likes to write and what kind of cover he wants. I think he's kind of found very strongly his author voice and brand. And actually, I feel like I did that with my thrillers last year. I, f- I feel like I found my level too. Um, it, it goes back to what I was saying to you about now you see her about the level of swears and, and, and smut and, the, and the, if there's any sexualization or sex scenes in there and things. You know, I think I found my level with that too now. And I think I'm predominantly writing, they're not cozy mysteries, but they're not mysteries that are going to shock or offend you from a violence, a swearing or a sex point of view. They're very much 15s, very much safe 15s and they're not going to challenge you um in too many ways hopefully they're good to enthrall you uh that that's what i'm aiming for but they're not going to challenge you in those ways so i i'm 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 pulling back maybe the statements that i was making in my other books i do really feel like i found that level now and that my level is is sort of more polite it's action-packed it's full of characters that you like more a kid with a cozy mystery very much psychological thriller stuff uh, in, in terms of what you get in, in traditional publishing so I, I found the whole experience extremely helpful as far as thrillers is concerned I just wanted to uh, mention uh, Queeve McDonald who reached out and got in touch with me thanks for listening to the podcast Queeve uh, and thanks for passing on this information I said last week that my Don't Tell Meg trilogy had all of a sudden in the States gone from something like however many reviews it was to 200 and something and I was just expressing surprise about that because I'd kind of blinked and then all of a sudden whoa whoa where where did they all come from um and and Queeve has just put me out my misery as as so often you do when you hear me blundering away and and making all sorts of mistakes on this podcast um Queeve just said that apparently Amazon are combining ratings and reviews from multiple countries now and this is where those reviews are coming from so um and it, to be honest with you, it doesn't look like it's quite embedded yet because Don't Tell Meg had 81 reviews, I think, in the UK. And, and during the week, since Quiva's told me that, I, every now and then I see the 200 and something and every now and then I see the 81. It depends what screen I, I'm, I'm looking or what panel I'm, I'm in. So they don't. it doesn't feel like it's quite fixed yet. But if you do see your reviews suddenly leaping like I did, that's an explanation for it. They're just combining ratings and reviews. Well, that's fantastic news, isn't it? Because it really helps you, certainly in those early days, or if you're you're like me where you struggle to get those first reviews. Obviously, it looks much better if you're selling in lots of territories as I do. It's, it's certainly for me, it's a really big bonus to, for me to be able to combine my UK and my US reviews. So I'm very happy about that. But thanks ever so much for passing that on, Quiv. That was really interesting information. Um, I, I hadn't seen that or heard that anywhere else. So um, So thanks for passing it on. I wanted to mention the Career Author Podcast, which I'm getting a lot of value from these days. I can't believe it's taken me so long to discover that podcast. It's very, very good. I'm working through the back episodes. But this week's episode for the 23rd of January, the topic was accounting for authors. Now, a lot of it's American accounting, so it doesn't really apply to us in the UK, even though I heard some interesting things in there about um, business setup for authors. That's very interesting stuff about that. But at the beginning, in the preamble, the pre-chat that they had, they were talking about um, a book bub that they've had, and it was exactly my experience. They had just launched a science fiction book on BookBub that had a promotion on it, but BookBub had placed them in the horror category, not the science fiction category, which is exactly what's happened to me with my secret bunker book. They put me in horror because it's end of world stuff. I know there's no way that's horror. Absolutely no way is that book horror. It's definitely science fiction. Um, but they, you know, I want a book bub. It still makes sales. It doesn't seem to have negative impact on the reviews. So I'll go with it. But I'd rather it was in science fiction. And they had exactly the same experience as me. They made exactly the same comments as me. And they resolved that next time they submit that book, if they get put into horror, they're going to say, no, thank you very much. This book needs to be in science fiction, which is, I think, what I'm going to do next time. I'm going to hold out for science fiction. Say, please don't put it in horror. Don't even consider me for horror. It needs to go in science fiction or not at all. 
So again, if you want to hear somebody else sharing their experience of that, then that's the Career Author Podcast, the episode for 23rd of January. I just want to return briefly to my podcasting book, and I just wanted to reach out to you and say that I wouldn't mind getting a very small group of five to 10 podcast listeners. If you have ever thought about setting up your own podcast, would you like to be a beta reader for that podcasting book when it gets to a stage when I can start to share it? Um, Would you like to have a first read of it? Um, I would ideally like you to either be podcasting now, um, so you've got one of your own already, or you would like to, at some point in the future, set up a podcast either for yourself or maybe introduce it at the place where you work. So I don't really want you to read it just for the sake of reading it. I'd, I'd rather you 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 were in the mindset of the kind of person who was good to buy it. Um, there's no point reading it if you're not gonna, you're either doing a podcast or you're not thinking of setting one up, because that's the kind of mindset I need when you're reading it. But if you would like to be a beta reader for that book, and I'm not quite sure how I'm going to do it yet. I might even let you have it as I'm going along so you can read it rough um, and, and then just put your comments in as we go along. Um, but could you just uh, just let me know if you're interested in that? If you just email me at paul at paulteague.com, just drop me an email and um, and I'll, I'll sort of put you on the list. But I'm looking for about five or ten people, if I can, just to have a quick look at that before it uh, goes out. So thank you very much for that. I should look forward to hearing from you if you want to volunteer for the list. Um, again, what what you probably will get from that is the experience that um, you know other people have had, which is seeing my writing in the earlier days. Um, I'll probably share it, to be honest with you, just for speed, as a as a Google Doc, as a Google Drive Doc, and let you sort of have read and note making access uh, on that. And I'll probably let you see it first draft in the first instance, because really, for a nonfiction book, what I'm after is your thoughts about, I don't understand that. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? That's not clear. You know, that feels superfluous. I'm not really after a proofread. Um, I'm really after a sort of sense check. Um, does it make sense? Do you understand it? Have I missed anything out? That's really what I'm after from this beta read. I don't really need a proofread from it at the moment. So I'm happy for you to see it quite rough at the moment. So that's probably what we're talking about. Let me know if that's something that interests you. Paul at paulteague.com. I have another book release coming out on Monday. This is the box set of my Morecambe Bay trilogy. I just did the final check of that over my shredded wheat this morning, and it's good to go. It's all ready to go. I have to have it ready the Thursday before the Monday it releases. So it's the final version has been submitted now. I won't do anything with that book, but officially it's the last of my rapid release sequence. So there's no point me continuing with rapid release. When I when I was talking you through it at the beginning of September, I always said I wondered if I would rewrite, re-edit, don't tell Meg, and then just keep going with books as long as possible. And then at the end of that rapid release schedule, pick up with a brand new one, maybe in July sometime. Well, the rapid release has not been successful enough for me to warrant doing that. I'm I'm coming off that 28-day cycle now because it's 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 created no particular uh, benefit for me. I mean clearly I told you that with the release of Truth Be Told, I had I hit my, my record with pre-releases. But with the box set, the box set to me is just something that just it just releases. It's a nice to have. And it's more important really as part of the compliment. Um if and when I get a book bub, it, it needs to, we need to have the box set there and ready, as well as the paperbacks. Um so to me it's just an exercise and I just happen to have released it in that 28-day cycle. But I don't intend now to to hit that 28-day cycle. This is going to be officially the end of the rapid release schedule. Now, I could maintain it because, I have, of course, I've got Friends Who Lie, which has been re-edited. Um, I had intended to just re-release that and put that as a brand new release. I've got Two Years After, which has been re-edited, and I was good to re-release that on the 28-day cycle based around the new blog tour. Um, and actually, now I'm saying to you, now I'm saying it aloud to you, I'm thinking, should I keep that going? I might change my mind. And <laughs> now I'm saying it aloud. I have actually got another, I had scheduled another three months of rapid release at 28-day cycles. And then after Friends Who Lie, I've got, um, what's it called? So Many Lies, uh, the revamped version of that. So if I did re-release those as version twos, 
then they would actually feel like brand new releases and they would keep that 28 day pattern going. And then after that, I've made such a change to No More Secrets, that would also actually work as a re-release. So I have actually got enough for another four months. Oh, so now I'm saying it aloud. This is the, this is the value of doing this podcast. Now I'm saying it aloud. I'm thinking, why are you doing that, Paul? You might as well keep the 28 days going because why the heck not? You've got that natural schedule built in. Can we park that one? <laughs> Let's park that one. And I'll tell you what I've decided next week. But now I'm saying it aloud. It makes much more sense to keep to the 28 days, doesn't it? It does really. So let's do that. Let's park it for now. And I'll tell you next week what I finally decided. Apologies for the dithering there. Oh, um, I've been reading. I told you last week that I read uh, Tebby Lebrecht's email marketing book. And this week I've been reading um, Elements of Style. And uh, I don't want to get a swear word in this podcast. But my response to reading Elements of Style is WTF? You know what I mean? Now, let's put it like this. Elements of Style is a good book in that it outlines all the posh kind of grammar punctuation use that you should use. So there's no no doubt about that. It outlines everything that you need to know. But I I was considering reading you a paragraph that I saw in there, but I, I better not because I'm not so sure about the, the kind of copyright of me reading a paragraph from the book. So I'm, I'm not going to do it. But I was reading a paragraph there and I thought, for goodness sake, this is, I, I, I've got a degree and a postgraduate. So, you know, I'm supposed to be half intelligent and I cannot make sense. I cannot hold the sense of this, this sentence in my head. I can't retain it. It's just too much. It, there was just too much in it. It was too dense. It was too intense. And I thought, you know, for goodness sake, surely the purpose of language, I don't care whether it's punctuated correctly or not is understanding and the ability to grasp it now you know i'm not making an argument that we should not use grammar or anything like that but we've got to get a middle way with this and and my i've always been the same with this i've probably told you this that when i finished my when i finished my a-levels as a teenager we went abroad and we were we were staying with a french german family and we we freely moved between the languages french German and English, uh, depending on who was talking and how complex the conversation was. And I'd just done my German A-level, which I got an E-grade in. Yet I spent three weeks, a month, however long we were out there, uh, chatting in German. And I chatted in German uh, using the language that I knew. And so even though I couldn't pass or get a good grade at a formal German exam, when I spoke to Germans in German, they understood me perfectly clearly. And I just used the words that I had at my disposal to communicate. And so surely the primary purpose of language is to communicate clearly. Now, there are sentences and paragraphs in that book. And, and I know it's, it's a very handy book in terms of it being technically correct. And I've, I'm, I am learning a lot from it. Because I'm a child of the 70s. And you know what child, children of the 70s in the UK are like. We haven't got a clue about punctuation and grammar. Um, you know, because it was all airy. It was all over the place in those days. So um, that's that's why I'm so terrible at it. So I am learning stuff. But I'm looking at that book thinking, oh, this could do with a rewrite. This, this needs to be simpler. It, it needs to be done, you know, in, in bullet points. And it, it, some of those paragraphs, I just can't grasp them. They're too dense with combinations of information. It's like reading algebra. Um, you know, it's like reading algebra through glasses that are too blurred for you to see properly. So, um, it's a very, ex- it's a very interesting experience. Now, interestingly enough, me having told you that, I would still recommend you have a copy of it because I am finding it very useful. It's filling in loads of gaps in my knowledge, but boy, it could do with a rewrite. Somebody needs to go through that and say, is this gobbledygook? Yeah, it's gobbledygook. Let's rewrite that and put that in a way that you could grasp. Because you see, my, my thing about this is that we want, we want to make things accessible. I'm big on accessibility. You know, I've, this is, this is why I do what I do with technical stuff is I teach geeky technical stuff to people who don't really care about the geekiness. They just, just tell me how to do it. Don't confuse me with science. And that's how I feel when I'm reading this book. You're confusing me with science. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not hopefully unintelligent. Uh, I am capable of following stuff, but you're testing me with this. And if you're testing me with this, you're going to be testing 10 year old kids and 15 year old kids with this. And frankly, they communicate perfectly well on apps. 
just tapping stuff out that's full of spelling mistakes and, and full of smileys. And surely the point of language or writing, first of all, above everything, surely it has to be communication. And then after that, we come back and we make it we make it accurate. You're really hyper accurate. So anyhow, that that's where I fall. That's the side of the fence I'm falling on. I, I'm I'm going to read it because it is filling in a lot of uh, gaps in my knowledge and finding it very interesting. But there are bits in there that just make my eyes pop out on stalks and think I can't even get my head around that. And I'm just I'm just moving past it and moving to the next bit that's nice and easy to read. I mean, frankly, I want a grammar book and punctuation book that's Janet and John. There's nice pictures of Nip the dog showing me how to punctuate things. That's that's what I need. But um, I, I think, you know, I, I agree. I think they've got a quote from Stephen King on the book, uh, on, on, the, on the cover, saying that every author ought to have it. I have to say, I think I probably agree. And I think however much of a heavy read it can be in t- at times, it is probably something you need to have on your shelf. So I'm pleased I bought it, but um, whew, it's not the lightest read on earth. Let's put it that way. I just wanted to mention, because I, I, I'd said this ages ago, that it was a little target of mine, that I've now broken 50,000 books on draft to digital. Um, I've shifted over two and a half thousand through Apple just at Barnes and Noble just in January alone. But I, I think I'd said to you that it was, it was either that or Kobo, um, that I'm, I'm trying to break 20,000 books on Kobo, which I haven't, I haven't really shifted very many books at all on Kobo with this promotion. I do find it hard on Kobo, but shifted a lot of books through Apple and Barnes and Noble on, um, through Draft the Digital. So I have broken the 50k books. Now it says it's, they're sold. They're not sold. A lot of them are free, but I have hit the 50,000 word barrier on Draft the Digital. So that's another little milestone, personal milestone that I was aiming for. And now I haven't got too many left, but I'm just looking forward to breaking through the 20,000 word barrier uh, on Kobo. So we'll get there, I'm sure, at some point. I want to finish today by telling you that I have, in the last 24 hours, booked Spain. It is booked and paid for. Well, let me qualify that slightly. I woke up this morning. I I booked it for five months from the 1st of November to the 31st of March. And I booked a slightly more expensive option just in case... We're not quite sure how things are going to go with Brexit. And potentially, if we go crashing out at the end of December, potentially it might give me a problem staying in Spain for three months. I I don't think it'll come to that. But but you've got to be mindful of these things. I don't want to have to write off, um, you know, three months worth of paid for accommodation in Spain if that happens. And I woke up this morning, so I booked it for five months. I woke up this morning thinking, what are you doing that for, Paul? The easiest way is to book it from November to the end of December, where it's super cheap, and I'll I'll pay that bit up front. And then I can book from the 1st of January to the 31st of March for just a slightly higher price. Um, But because I book it in advance, I get a huge discount. And I can cancel that right up to seven days before we go. So I cancel that in Christmas week if I needed to and not lose any money on it. So that's the way I've decided to do it because it's much more prudent with all the changes that are happening. So November to December, end of December, those first two months that's booked, paid for. Um, I think I can still, I can actually still refund it, but I've, I've had to pay it um, all up front. And then I've made a separate booking from the 1st of January um, to the 31st of March, and that's the next three months. And, and what I anticipate is that um, when you know when we're out of Europe, I anticipate that we'll be on the the kind of deal that just allows us to stay for I think is it 90 days in 180 days. That's what I expect to happen. And then so we'll be there to the end of March, and then we'll have to come back to the UK or move to a, a non-EU uh, country. We'll travel off to a, a non-EU country. We'll, we'll decide that when we get to it. So uh, th- that's how I've left it now. The reason that I've booked so early um, is it's worth um, one thousand over one thousand two hundred euros in discounts to book early, uh, which that's why I've booked um, early for it. So um, that's why I had that sort of deadline of the thirty first of January. They give you very very heavy discounts to book the apartments over that period of time. So, um, but but as I found out now, I've booked. In actual fact, even even though I've got that deadline to secure the price um, and, and those heavy discounts. I can still actually, um, I can still cancel. So I can cancel the three months from January to February with complete impunity. And I can, uh, although I've paid the first two months up front, I can cancel that right up to seven days before we go, which I won't do. We're definitely doing that bit. And um, if I if I don't cancel, if I do it within that period, I think I lose 30% of it. And if I don't turn up, obviously it's 100% and it's already 
it's all paid up front, of course. So it works um, pretty well. And it's a, obviously 1,200 euros is a huge saving and, and well worth having. So what we've got to do now is I'm just waiting for EasyJet to release the flights for, for that period of time. I shall be straight on those flights and book them as cheaply as we can. They'll be, they'll be really cheap in November. Um, so we'll be booking the flights and then that's us done. Um, we're ready to go. And I can't tell you, um, I've been really struggling with the weather at the moment in the UK. I just cannot wait to be out in Spain at this time of year and also my heating bills at the moment we pay but unfortunately we've got I've got two bedrooms big bedrooms that, that the kids have that are sitting empty at the moment that I'm paying heating on and my gas bill is I pay 200 quid a month for gas and electricity in my house over winter that is a fortune it makes me wince I mean I can remember when the kids were young, you know, paying 60 quid, about 30 quid for electricity and 30 pound for gas. It doesn't seem that long ago. I mean, I know it's a lot. My kids are grown up now, but that's a fortune to nearly 200 quid a month for your gas and electricity is a huge amount. And when we're over in Spain, of course, you know, the, the heater will be off in the house. We won't be paying that. Um, there won't be heating on in the house. So I'll save what I would be spending in the UK and my rent, which is, you know, low in Spain, I won't be paying all, all the bills. The bills are already included in that. So I expect to see, you know, quite a lot of uh, cost savings um, when that happens as well. So anyhow, uh, we're really looking forward to going to Spain now. My, my wife was a little bit slower than me about getting excited about it. My wife can't wait to go now. Uh, you know, she's, she's, she's really lucky because she'll take a career break and she doesn't have to do anything for the five months that we're over there. I, I will be working. Um, I'll probably, if I, if I can, I'll, I'm intending to be able to do clients over Zoom. Um, I hope I can still take clients. I don't, I don't have to, but I'd, I'd like to. I'd like to have a, something going on while I'm over there. Um, so I'm hoping I can still do clients over Zoom because the sort of thing I teach, you don't need to see me. I could just teach it over a webinar or something like that. That's what I've been doing in internet marketing for years. So I'm hoping that I'll be able to do that. And um, uh, uh, it counts as some um, desk work, so I don't have to get wet signatures when I when I do it like that. But I'm hoping I can do that. And obviously, I'll, I'll be writing over in Spain as well. So I've got plenty to keep me busy. Um, so, but yeah, we we'll start getting excited about that now. But remember, that is the holiday that books bought. That's from Book Income. And I know I've moaned to you about the rapid release not doing very well, but it's doing, you know, it's all done well enough in spite of all the adverts that I've had to pay for, the advertising that I've paid for. Um, it still has done well enough to pay five months in Spain. So it is a bit of a first world author problem, that, isn't it? Um, so, you know, I'm not rolling it. I'm, I'm far from rolling in it, but but it, my books are bringing in enough income these days for me to be able to take that much money out and, and to pay for something like that. And, and I did say to you that, um, you know, I've, I, I think I've worked pretty hard with my books and now it's time for me to start taking some benefits out of those books. And you're going to hear me doing that a lot more over this year. We've got a couple of other things planned before we go to Spain, which is going to be coming out of book income too. And, um, and I have already generated the income. I haven't got it in my pocket yet. You, you, you're always being paid two months behind, remember, with this. And so it's not in my pocket yet. Um, but we've got a couple of other uh, adventures coming up this year, uh, that are going to be paid for and have been paid for already with books. So I'm not at the level. You know, I'm well over um, what traditional authors are earning. We're way off six figures. Um, it's not enough to get me on stage at Mark Dawson's event for the, is it the 50,000 and over brigade? Um, you know, we're not, we're not in that area, but it is enough to do some interesting and exciting things with. So I really want to start taking some benefits from this now. And remember, I've been writing since what 2014 it's about about time I took some tangible benefits from it I'm taking benefits from assets now that I've created and uh, that feels pretty good to be able to do that I feel pretty pleased with myself that 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 book sales and the efforts I've made writing the books is going to be paying for that five-month break in Spain and saving me from UK gas bills okay that is it virtually for this week's podcast diary I just want to mention Tim Lewis, who sent me a picture across. Uh, excuse my geography, Tim, but is that the, is that the Thames? I, I, I embarrassed myself the other day. I was doing a park run on uh, on a place called Tyne Green, and and I, I queried with somebody. I said, "Is that is that the River Tyne that we're running alongside?" 
and, and, and of course they said, well, the clues in the word tyne. I said, yeah, but I didn't know whether is it, was it a tributary? They call them. Is it, I didn't know whether it was the tyne or like mini tyne because it's, it was only like a small bit of the river and the tyne itself is huge. Well, I'm looking at this river here and I'm thinking, is that, is that the Thames, Tim? Or is that a stupid question? Is that the Thames? It looks quite wide. And, I, and Tim's commented here saying, listening to your show, whilst walking past Snarebrook Crown Court. I don't know where Snaresbrook is because I live in the north, of course. Um, and so I, I'm assuming that might be the Thames. So it looks very nice. And Snaresbrook Crown Court looks very nice. And I have to say, Tim, I'm pleased you were walking past it and not appearing there. Of course, that's, you know, it's always the best tweet to sort of, best tweet to be making, isn't it? I'm dressed in a suit and will shortly be appearing at Snaresbrook Crown Court. So I'm pleased that wasn't the tweet. But it looks extremely pleasant. So thank you very much for sharing that tweet with me, Tim. Uh, they're always welcome. I always like to see where you're listening to me. That's it for this week's podcast diary. Who knows what's going to happen next week at the rate of knots that things are happening at the moment. But I will have another diary update for you next Saturday. In the meantime, I hope you have a fabulous week of writing. Bye-bye for now. Thanks for listening to Paul's Podcast Diary. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed to hear next week's update and find out how many words get produced over the next seven days. Until then, we hope you have a great week of writing.